What is going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here on News Talk 1110993 WBT. Glad you are here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your day. Appreciate it. The phone numbers, if you want to weigh in on any of the topics we got going on, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, yeah, it's like an episode of uh, Dallas or Young and the Restless. It's going to be a big surprise guest at the J6 committee hearing today. I think it starts at 1 o'clock. Spoiler alert, it's apparently a staffer for Mark Meadows, a former staffer. And I think she's going to testify uh, about all of the members of Congress that asked for pardons, which I don't know about you, but that strikes me as odd. Not that she's testifying about that, but that members of Congress would ask about getting a pardon for themselves. Right? That I mean, that does kind of seem like almost an admission that you could be charged with something. <laughs> and so you would ask preemptively for the pardon. So I'll be monitoring that. Uh, the Hunter Biden scandal, is it getting too big for legacy media to ignore now? I think we, I, I think we may have achieved critical mass on this. Oh, and also on the J6 um, committee, there was a... Uh, Yeah, White House staffer confirms that the committee lied about an attorney and what he told the committee uh, and his role. They just lied about him. And now he's demanding that they release all of the deposition and transcripts from the like 12 hours that he sat uh, for the uh, for the committee uh, and giving uh, and gave his testimony. There is also this story about a South Carolina state representative who is running for U.S. Senate. Crystal Matthews, I believe her name is. I've got the audio from a call that she made to a uh, a fella in prison where they discussed doing illegal things in order to help her win, which is weird. Why would you talk with a prisoner on the prison phone system? Do you not know those things are recorded? Do you, How do you not know those phone calls are recorded? I think they actually post signs that say that the calls are monitored and recorded. But but she did. Project Veritas has that story, so we'll get to that. But first, I want to start here. There was a – I mean, this is it's a tragedy that Kevin Boston was shot and killed by Charlotte Mecklenburg police. The headline at the Charlotte Observer, Dad suspected Dad – Dad suspected in robbery dies after exchanging gunfire with police. Family asks why. Why what? I, mean, I think I think the exchanging of the gunfire right there in the previous sentence might have had something to do with it. I'm just spitballing here. I don't have any other information than what I have in this story at the Charlotte Observer. Which they say Kevin Boston's family says that the Charlotte father was at a food lion to get food for his children on Sunday afternoon. Police say, police say he robbed the store and later shot a gun at officers who returned fire and struck him. He was 45 years old. He died at the hospital Sunday afternoon, according to CMPD at a news conference at Marshall Park yesterday. 
members of Boston's family said that they were not notified of his death and police had not reached out to them. Now, CMPD spokesman, a spokesperson told the Observer that the department notified the family on Sunday. So not sure what's going on there. Who did they call? Next of kin, whatever. Don't know. Again, all the information I have is from this Observer article, and obviously the Observer article simply has the CMPD comments and the family comments. Officers arrived at the grocery store on Tuckaseegee Road in West Charlotte uh, just before 1 p.m. on Sunday to investigate a report of an armed robbery. Using a description of a suspect, so they had a, they had a description, and, quote, items noted on the call. What does that tell you? Items noted on the call. And that's a direct quote, I guess, from CMPD. So that means somebody called 911, reported the armed robbery, gave a description, and said this is what he stole. And so when the cops show up, they see Kevin Boston. He matches the description. And apparently had items noted on the call. So they find Boston nearby. The suspect discharged a firearm multiple times at officers, striking at least one patrol vehicle. At that point, officers returned fire and struck the suspect. Now, I have to admit, um, I never had this specific conversation with my parents. That I guess they never felt the need to have to tell me this. And it's really just by sheer luck that I apparently have not been gunned down. Either that or it's white privilege. But I just kind of always knew, don't shoot at cops. That was, I just came to that sort of conclusion on my own. Maybe TV taught it to me. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe I watched movies and television and, uh, I somehow came away with this idea that if I shoot at armed police officers, I'm probably going to get shot and killed too. But I don't know. Boston was taken to the hospital uh, after the shootout. North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation is investigating because that is what the Bureau of Investigation does. But that's standard procedure in officer-involved shootings. Um Mr. Boston was a single father of three teenagers, 13, 14, and 18. Uh, He was described by the family as loving and a jokester who loved to cook for everyone. And way down here at the bottom of the page says, Boston struggled with mental health issues and has had interactions with CMPD. Hmm. What kind of interactions with CMPD? Were they related to the mental health issues? With these, Does he have a lengthy criminal history? Does he have a criminal history at all? Um, does he have a violent criminal history? I think these are valid questions, don't you? I mean, if you're going to give me this headline, Dad suspected in robbery dies after exchanging gunfire with police, family asks why again why what and i keep reading 
I keep reading the comments and I, I don't know what they're asking why. The closest they come, I mean, I understand like wanting to know what happened, but that's a that's a I think a different question than why did police shoot him? Police shot him because they say he shot at them. And I suspect that's going to be pretty easy to determine if he fired multiple rounds and they hit cars. They're going to be able to retrieve those rounds. The family said they want to know what led to the shooting. And they have doubts about CMPD's account. Such as? We don't know. They don't say. They don't articulate what those are. His sister-in-law says, honestly, they shot him down like he was a dog. Which is not true, because dogs generally, is my experience, um... They do not shoot guns at cops. That's been my experience. And maybe you've got a, maybe it's like that bald eagle from the koozies where it's able to fly around with a shotgun. And then, you know, when you paint something like that on a koozie and put it in Harris Teeter, Christy Clark complains and they remove the items. I don't know. I've never seen dogs shooting people, though. Um, now, they have asked for the, and they're calling for the video from the body cams and the dash cams to be released. And the judge, uh, a, a judge can make that decision. And I would I support that. I would like to see it as well, because if there is some sort of doubt that they are raising as to what actually happened, then I would like to see that. But uh, they offer no other explanation about what happened. But other than that, some some bang up reporting going on. I appreciate uh, the update there from the Charlotte Observer. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. On this story of the police shooting in Charlotte of Kevin Boston, 45-year-old, who was uh, a suspect in an armed robbery at a food lion on Tuckaseegee Road, who, according to CMPD, opened fire on them. They returned fire, killing him. Way down, uh, almost towards the bottom of the article at the Charlotte Observer, they mentioned that he had struggled with mental health issues and has had interactions with CMPD. So I got a question. Is he an illegal gun possessor? Right? I mean, we, we, we just went through all of this debate about the red flag laws and the federal legislation on gun control and all of that. And one of the parts of it is right to make sure people who have had mental health problems make sure they don't get the guns to then go murder people, right? So, I don't know, did this guy... Did this guy uh, get a gun when he wasn't supposed to? The first new federal gun restrictions in decades became law over the weekend. Biden, with a stroke of his pen, wiped away the ability to sell guns to Americans who fall into two categories... Stephen Gutowski at TheReload.com reports by enacting the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, Biden effectively eliminated sales of guns and ammo to those who, uh, with disqualifying juvenile records such as felony convictions or involuntary commitments for the rest of their lives, upending how the juvenile criminal justice system works in most states. Oops, unintended consequences. So if you have a, if you have some sort of a, 
involuntary commitment at some point when you're, you know, 16 years old, 17 years old. You get involuntarily committed and then fast forward, you know, 30 years. And you've had no other issues. Then you got on some meds and it worked. Then you got off them and you've been fine ever since. It was a maybe something bad happened in your life and you had some sort of a can you say breakdown anymore? Is that allowed? You had an episode of some kind. But ever since then, you've been fine. 20 years go by, 30 years go by, whatever. Huh. Still can't buy? His pen stroke also expanded prohibitions for domestic violence misdemeanor convictions to those committed against dating partners. And I went over all of this the other day. If you want more info on the, uh, the analysis side of this, uh, go get the podcast. It's at WBT.com, also the PeteCallanerShow.com. While the deal does not include top priorities for gun control advocates, such as an assault weapons ban or universal background checks, it is the first time in decades that the federal government has barred selling guns to new classes of Americans. Also, there are several other measures, including one that seems redundant, a prohibition on straw purchases and gun trafficking, as well as a change to the standard who needs to obtain a federal license to legally sell guns. I am curious, um, is Hunter Biden an illegal possessor? Uh, there's a reason I ask. And it involves the, uh, the drip, 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 drip of the scandal around Hunter Biden. It continues to grow. And let, let's play everyone's favorite game. If it was a Republican president who had a son that was doing it, yeah, we all know what the coverage would be. It would be this nonstop. <music> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so the new gun law signed into law over the weekend uh, takes effect. Uh, It includes hundreds of millions of dollars in funding for mental health crisis programs and school security initiatives favored by Republicans. Um, It also makes funding for red flag laws optional for states and provides alternative programs which are eligible to receive the same funds, among other items it does. Um, And then, of course, was the Bruin decision. The Supreme Court's decision on uh, the New York State concealed carry. uh, Hotair.com's Jazz Shaw writes that uh, it did not simply shoot down New York's onerous good cause requirement in the gun permit application process. It set up similar laws in other states for likely revocation. One of those states is California, where they have their own requirement that applicants have to show a good cause or special need before a carry permit gets issued. The state attorney general, Rob Bonta, Bonta, Bonte, anyway, uh, Rob sent out a letter on Friday to law enforcement and government attorneys noting the change and saying that the state's current may issue regime, that's what they call it, may issue, that they may issue, that it should be able to be converted into a shall-issue regime with a couple of modifications. But Eugene Volok, at writing at Reason.com, he points out that Bonta pivoted 
from signaling compliance with the new ruling to identifying another way to deny permits to people with no criminal record. He claims that the ruling will not impact the existing requirement for applicants to be able to demonstrate that they are of good moral character. Get this. This is from the uh, this is from the statement from Bonta. Quote, legal judgments of good moral character can include consideration of honesty, trustworthiness, diligence, reliability, respect for the law, integrity, candor, discretion, observance of fiduciary duty, respect for the rights of others, absence of hatred and racism, fiscal stability, profession-specific criteria such as pledging to honor the Constitution and uphold the law, and the absence of a criminal conviction. As a starting point, for purposes of investigating somebody's moral character, issuing authorities require personal references or reference letters. Investigators may personally interview applicants, um, maybe use that as an opportunity to gain further insight into their character, and... They may search publicly available information, including social media accounts, in order to assess the applicant's character. What could possibly go wrong with this standard, huh? I'm thinking nobody's getting a concealed carry permit in California anytime soon. Seriously, when they ran around saying that simply voting for Trump made you a Nazi, and we all know the Nazis were kind of racisty. So you don't get a concealed permit. Sorry. The entire scheme is completely unconstitutional. It's a violation of the First Amendment. It's a violation of the Second Amendment. The government's not allowed to restrict your actions or suspend your rights based on the viewpoints you express. Right? Hatred, racism. These are really broad and vague terms, particularly when wielded by the left. I mean, well, the left against the right because they don't they don't wield it. I mean, they don't wield it against Hunter Biden. No, of course not. He checks several of those boxes. I wonder if he could get a permit in. uh, In California, that's a good question. Nobody will ask, but uh, it's a good question. And then we have Paige Mastin. She's a uh, she's an opinion writer and member of the vaunted editorial board for the Charlotte Observer. By the way, if it seems like I drag the editorial board at the Charlotte Observer and News and Observer pretty frequently, uh, there's a simple explanation for this. It's because I do. I do that, and it is deserved. The Supreme Court didn't issue a ruling on abortion Thursday, but it uh, did something else monumental. It handed down a decision in one of the most significant gun rights cases in more than a decade. So this was before the Dobbs case. The ruling struck down a New York law that restricted concealed carry outside the home. In order to obtain a license, New Yorkers had to meet a proper cause requirement, meaning they had to demonstrate a special need for self-defense. Judge Clarence Thomas, who authored the majority opinion, he wrote that individuals generally have a right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home, and New York's law violates that right. And that was a 6-3 to decision. 
with the liberal justices choosing to dissent. Man, they're just so choosy. Pro-choice they are. She, she then calls it a broad interpretation of the Second Amendment, which is a lie. It's not a broad interpretation, or at least more broad than the actual language of the Second Amendment, right? It, it clearly states its purpose right there, and that's what the Supreme Court finally said. This means what it says. She goes on to say, what we need are laws that make our country safer. This decision will only put more guns on the street and make it harder for states to enact the gun safety measures we truly need. How does concealed carry make us less safe? She doesn't explain, of course, because that's one of the benefits of being a Democrat. It's one of the uh, one of the protections you get from the big D shield is that you don't have to explain why you make assertions or the fundamental premises contained therein. You don't have to do that. You could just say, I'm for the children, and everybody goes, oh, Oh, they're for the children. Oh, thank God. We need guns off the street. We want people to be safer. And that can't happen if people have concealed carry. Why? Like concealed carry permit holders are the most law-abiding people in the land. Even more so than cops. I'm sorry to say it. It's true. Um... If gun laws don't prevent mass shootings, she says, then why does every developed country in the world with stricter gun laws than ours also have significantly mass, uh, fewer mass shootings? I don't know. She doesn't take a stab at that. She just leaves it up for us to determine on our own, right? She just asks the question. And that, I guess, is a proxy for making an argument. Sort of the Socratic method here. I'm just going to ask this question. Not going to provide any evidence. I would submit, though, that Not only do we shoot each other more, we stab each other more. We beat each other to death with bats and fists, actually more so than guns. But um, I think it has something to do with us. It's not the guns, it's the Americans. I think think this might be a news flash to the news editor. How often are guns used, by the way, in self-defense? I have the answer to that. Charlotte Observer's opinion writer and member of the editorial board, Paige Mastin, writing uh, the kind of opinion piece that, again, is reminiscent of something you would read at the high school paper. It's just bumper sticker bromides and slogans. It's not. Anyway, she concludes there's a twisted irony in watching a court with a supposedly pro-life majority hand down a ruling that will almost certainly lead to death. This is just this is just so stupid of an argument. Oh, hang on a second. So you want them to use their religious views when deciding law? Is that is that what I'm hearing? You want you want pro-lifers to inject that into all sorts of Oh, no. Well, that's exactly what they did, Pete, which is of course not what they did, but whatever. She says this is uh This ruling doesn't guarantee our freedom. It only jeopardizes our safety, and that's just not true. She doesn't prove that. Again, being a Democrat means you don't have to prove any of your assertions. You don't have to offer up evidence. So here's something that I like to call evidence. How are guns used in self-defense? And yes, by the way, this does tie to Hunter Biden because he's, he's very, very upset 
They got more text messages out of this laptop that he abandoned. And uh, he was very upset that his sister-in-law threw away his gun, which I'm not sure he was actually allowed to have, and I'm not sure how he got, and it seems pretty clear that he lied on the application to get it, but it's different when Democrats do it. See, it's okay. He's, he's one of the elites. He can be an addict and get a gun. That's okay, because he's a Democrat. Okay, how many times are guns used in self-defense? It's hard to measure. They call it the duck that didn't quack over at American Gun Facts. In other words, there may not be a police report or any other record when no crime was committed or even reported. And a lot of the times the gun is used to prevent a crime. There's no record. So as a result, data on defensive use of force and diverted crimes due to the presence of a defensive gun are controversial, contentious, and they range pretty widely. Defensive gun use, or DGU stats, generally rely on self-reporting, interviews, police and media reports, which are then extrapolated to the national population using a bunch of statistical methods that are totally fine if you're trying to scare people into thinking that they're all going to die of COVID, but it's not okay if you're using it to extrapolate out defensive gun use stats. Anyway, the best estimates are that guns are used to deter or thwart crime somewhere in the neighborhood of... 500,000 times per year. But it could also be as high as 2.8 million times per year. So that's a bit of a range. Between 500 to 2.8, 500,000 to 2.8 million times per year. The more likely answer is probably somewhere in the middle. There was a 2021 survey estimated that uh, guns are used 1.67 million times per year in self-defense in America. Does that make us less safe to the Charlotte Observer opinion person? Is that less safe? Estimates range widely with some studies putting it as low as 65,000 back in 1992. They go on to explain this, but the 2021 National Firearms Survey is what they're relying on for that stat. 31% of all gun owners who took the survey said that they had used their firearm in self-defense at least once even if it was not fired or displayed. I don't even know what that means. I, I mean, I understand, like, you use the gun and you flash it, and that makes the criminals run away. But if you don't even display it, I mean, maybe you just say you have a firearm, and that's what uh, prompts the criminal to flee. The majority of those answering in the affirmative had used their gun more than once in self-defense. And so if you extrapolate out that number... That's 25 million adults have used a firearm to stop a crime or protect themselves at least once in their life. That's a lot. It seems like a lot.